Hello, welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Heckner and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I am well. How are you? Good. Uh, summer is technically still here according to the calendar, um, but you know when Labor Day hits, for most people, they're like, yeah, "Summer's over. It's a wrap." That—that's uh, where you live. <laughs> We're looking. Yeah, I'm still swimming in 87 degree pool every day, and it's different. Here. Well, I mean, it's like 98 today. Is that is it really? Yeah. Today? yeah. Yeah, I've seen the U.S. Open. Uh, it's hot there. It's 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 pretty hot. You got players complaining about the heat conditions. I mean, it's brutal. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about the U.S. Open uh towards the end of the show. But David, Team USA, FIBA World Cup. We are we. I say we as though I'm on the team. The United States, Team USA, is in the medal round. Uh, they're in the semifinals against Germany. Um, if everyone remembers, a German team that gave the USA fits. Um, well, two weeks ago now, if not for an Anthony Edwards, you know. Going Vinny Microwave Johnson the last seven minutes or so, Team USA might have lost that game against Germany, but we're here now, semifinal round. Uh, quick thoughts about Team USA versus Germany. I mean, they're coming in with some momentum, the, uh, the Americans. Uh, it was 2 nothing, I think, in the Italy game, and I texted you guys and mm-hmm. said this game's a blowout. <laughs> you did. I, I just saw Italy's team. I had not watched them, and uh, they're just these little guys, and that's just not a matchup. And then to Team USA's credit, they really pressed. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes the interesting thing now is if you care about this stuff, and I barely do, just be honest. Um, <laughs> it's basketball and there's nothing else on. I mean, I was watching Perth versus the G League last night. That tells you something um, on NBA TV. So I think we're, I think we're, I think America is going to press more, try to trap more, which is good. Uh, Schroeder is not your typical European guard, he's mm-hmm. super quick. He can mm-hmm. slice through traps pretty easily, uh, um, and they're going to create a lot of easy baskets because of it. But he, he is little, and we've got some long guys. You know, Bridges in a trap is is not like trapping with Jalen Brunson. Um, uh, he Bridge, uh, Brunson could be one of the guys with Bridges, Paolo, and even Tyrese, who's a little longer. Some of these longer guys, we have a few, um, can make it more challenging for shooter. He doesn't see it every day. Most teams don't do that in the NBA too much. And so you're going to probably have a lot of feast or famine in the game. I think Steve, Coach Kerr, wants to really get up tempo. Um, and so that's going to help do that. Uh, if Germany decides not to take advantage of traps quickly to slow the game down, they may not get a better look later on, which plays in America's favor. America's favor. Either way, America is a much better team. Uh, uh, Franz Wagner coming off an injury, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. He played last game. I don't think he played so well. Um, he didn't play very well. Uh, but they have some NBA players on their team. They do. Yeah. They do. They're not going to win by 50 in the first half. Right. They got the Wagner Wagner brothers, Wagner yeah. brothers, excuse me. Um, and Dennis. Shooter, who you mentioned, uh, Daniel Tice. I mean, they they, they have some guys who is Kleber Is Kleber playing with them? I uh, don't know if Kleber. I don't think I saw Kleber play for them. I mean, he very well could be, but I don't think I saw him in the he's not, game he's not, I watched. He's not playing for them. He's in Dallas right now. Um. So, yeah, it, it, it should be a good game. And, you know, look, I think your point about Kerr was right. Steve actually said this. They want to play to their advantage, which is press, get out and run in transition, right? Speed, athleticism, yeah. Because, I mean, and this is not just about Team USA. This is true of almost any basketball, right? It's much easier to score when the defense is not set, right? If the defense is set and they know what's coming, you got to kind of work through your offense. But we can rebound, which is a problem for us, um, and get out and go and and turn that defense into offense. That's a great way for Team USA to play this game. Well, and, and let's also remember this. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it might have been like 17 for 36 from three. The bench went 10 of 20 from three, America. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the starters were like 48% or 46% from three. You're not beating Team USA if they shoot like that. No. Because there, there's just no reason for them to turn the ball over a lot. You have to hope to pack it in and they miss. Pretty much the same system I mean, strategy anyone can use against America. We have enough slashers and bucket getters where if you can kind of protect the rim and then hope they miss, uh, uh, you have a chance to win. Yeah. doesn't mean you'll win because we still can force turnovers and 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 get buckets. You know, Brunson getting buckets is a thing and some of those guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared Jackson's going to be really challenged, Gerard. Yeah. Uh, if we if we extend our defense, I always compare it to like a boxer. If a boxer wants to protect his midsection, well, he's leaving up his head potentially. If he wants to protect his head, his midsection's mm-hmm. at risk. It's the same thing with defense in the NBA. If you if you really want to pack it inside, you're giving up the perimeter and vice versa, right? Uh, but if you want to contest the perimeter, like we're talking mm-hmm. about America doing, challenging with two on the ball type things, well, two on the ball means it's four and three everywhere else. Well, that means there, there's a bull rush to the rim. There's Jaron Jackson. Is he going to foul? Well, the, yeah. uh, the answer is probably yes. Yeah. So then how do we do from there with Paolo, who has been, I think, so-so? Other people yeah. like Paolo better than me in this tournament. Yeah, no, it, it the, the Jaron Jackson foul junior foul junior foul trouble is something we talked about yeah. uh, extensively last time, and this is you know look everyone knows we are we are charter members, president and VP of the of the Trip Fan Club, um, but you know for him to yes, and he won Defensive Player of the Year, no one's taking that away, All Star, all that, and all defense, but for him to ascend to what we think he can be, that is a part of his game that needs to get cleaned needs to get cleaned up, um, because you're not you're not getting time on the floor if you're only playing twenty minutes a game or twenty five because you got fouls. Well, how are you getting in any kind of rhythm? How are you getting the notes and the feedback that coach always talks about that you see when you're on the floor to, oh, this is what works. Okay, let me move that to the next level. I think this is, and it's hurting to me, the foul trouble is hurting his offensive game more than anything. Defensively, like he seems to kind of know some, know what he's doing. I mean, he was DPOI, but offensively is what hurts him. He's not a part of the offense in the regular season with Memphis and you see here with Team USA. So that's something to take note of. Um, Anthony Edwards, uh, who I mentioned, who was the team's leading scorer, um, the players, uh, a couple of the players had some interesting things to say about him. Uh, this is Mikhail Bridges and could get 30 whenever he wants. Um, we talked to him and tried to help him out just to find guys. And that's what he did. And he's probably the happiest dude in the locker room right now. So, you know, shout out to Ant and for that. And he knows how dominant he is. I think we kind of feed off that, you know, once we saw Ant doing that and how happy he was, everyone kind of found joy after that. And I think it's something that you talk about all the time, coach, which is. Are we doing this for me to score? Or are we doing this for week for us to score? And that's probably the next version of the leap that Anthony Edwards has to make. He he knows it. We talked about this when uh when Steve Kerr said that stuff about him, and it was like, yeah, I know I'm the man. Well, great. We know you can do that whenever you want, but so does the other team. Like, right? So they're gonna be keen on you, two guys. So instead of forcing it through two or through three, as coach mentioned, two on the ball means four on three everywhere else, right? Move the ball and go from a good shot to a great shot. But I think that's one of the hardest things for a young primary scorer to learn. I mean, these guys, you know, they grow up taking a lot of bad shots and uh, they make some, they miss most, but they're still revered and, and ranked high and all this kind of stuff. And so it just reinforces really bad basketball. Whereas I think, in places like Germany and Serbia and some of these other places where those players just can't even get those kind of shots off against mm-hmm. the kind of kind of competition they might face. They're, they more trust a structure and a system, right, to, to get what they want. Um, this is the learning curve that all great athletes have to go through and great ball handlers and, or even good ball handlers. So 
yeah, he's got to figure this part out. Uh, he seems to be willing to do all of it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he'll do it uh, in the in the heat of the moment. You know, I thought yeah. I thought Steph Curry was a little too sticky with the ball in games one through two and three quarters of the 2015 NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. And when he finally just stopped worrying about being the MVP of the Finals, he really deserved the MVP of the Finals, but he didn't get it. And that's why I think what kept him from being earlier off the ball to begin with is I'm supposed to be the guy here. I've always been the guy before. And the way the Cavaliers were playing didn't let him do that easily. Uh, and so this is, you know, we're young. America is a young team. Mm-hmm. This is where we'll see what kind of growth they, they've made. I think Bridges is our best player. He's been fantastic. I think he's been his defensive uh, uh, on ball defensive work uh, where, and you, you talk about this. We all talk about this to some degree, the impact a player can make beyond the obvious that you're seeing. So there was a couple of drives in the Italian game where the Italian dude was driving and, and I just know in his mind, I mean, listen, if you're playing for Italy's national team, you can really play. Like, they, they have plenty of really good basketball players on the team. I don't know who this guy was. I don't remember. But um, Bridges did just contest his shot. He blocked it and looked mm-hmm. at him like, like, do you know who I am? Like, who <laughs> are you? It's like a little brother trying to, you know, take the role, dinner roll away from the big brother. Not happening. <laughs> and so I think that gate so, – so um, you were quoting Bridges is talking about what, what Anthony's – a selfishness did for the team. I think Mikhail's ability to defend and make the kind of plays he makes gives us a little more identity defensively and gets them to dig in more. And his shooting, mm-hmm. I think he's yeah. over fifty percent from three. We've got like four guys shooting, yeah, forty sure percent better. That, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be win the gold medal. Is that what they? Right. Is it a gold medal in the World Cup? Uh, yes, it's a gold medal. Yep. They're they're the if they can shoot even decently, they're definitely going to win the gold medal. I I, I would think. If they yeah. don't shoot great, they still can win it. But if they shoot great, I, I don't think anyone's close to them. No, it, it's it's phenomenal stuff we're seeing from Bridges. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing from Halliburton. You said this team is all young, and I think all these guys are going to take something, hopefully, with them back to the lab as, as they go head to their teams at the end of the month for training camp. As David said before, you know, most of the guys who played World Cup should probably chill for a little bit for about a week or two before they get really serious. Because uh, they've been playing high intensity basketball for a bit longer than than their their teammates will be back at back in the NBA, but I think it'll be good. It'll be r- really really awesome to see the other um, semifinal game is Canada versus Serbia, and you know the, even Canada without Jamal Murray, this team is very very good. Imagine if they if Murray was on this team, I was like I might pick them to be favorites to win the gold medal um, if, if they had Jamal Murray. But uh, they're still doing well. SGA, in your opinion, has been the best player in FIBA World Cup. Uh, I mean, that's not surprising. Of everybody who's playing in this tournament, he's, according to Dunks and Threes, he's been the best in terms of um, uh, estimated plus minus. So that is not surprising to see. SGA probably, if his team is good enough, will be on the short list for MVP candidate next year. But talk about what you're seeing from SGA this summer. You know, uh Many times I've written the words that quote from the Matrix, uh, the first Matrix, where um, I don't remember Morpheus. I don't mm-hmm. watch this movie. I haven't watched it in years. <laughs> where he says to Trinity, there's, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. There's Neo, who's been told by the Oracle, for anyone mm-hmm. that's watching the scene of the movie, you're not the one, but he's acting like the one. <laughs> right. And that's what Morpheus right. says, you know, there's a difference between knowing it and walking it. So SGA is walking the path of oh, I'm the best player in this tournament. Fuck Luca. I'm, <laughs> I'm the best player in this tournament. And it wasn't personal with Ian Luca. Right. It was with Dylan Brooks. 
<laughs> but it wasn't, <laughs> sure was. it wasn't SGA. But um, and what I mean by that is, do you know how many rebounds he had yesterday? I don't. Ten. Mm. And, and I was clued in on, oh, some of those were, I'm going to get in, motherfucker. It's mine. And then pushing with pace, slowing down when he wanted to, hu- making hustle plays. It, 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 he's not Michael Jordan. But when guys like Dwayne Wade and Michael Jordan, which are, you know, world's fastest humans that can dribble a ball, mm-hmm. when, when they were at their best, they're making all sorts of plays with their speed and then their basketball players. Well, SGA was that in a game that you know, he was the fastest guy on the court and he played like it. And so uh, his skill game, his uh, understanding and feel, knowledge of the game, where recognizing where he can get his little second box jumpers or just outside the second box, when he can get to the rim, uh, when to push, uh, I'd really push it. Like he looks like a guy that should be an MVP candidate in the NBA because that's that's what he's playing like in this tournament. And I didn't know. You said is he leading the league in? Yeah. So of, of the guys in the in, the, in, in the tournament and the FIBA World Cup, he is he is the best estimated plus minus of anybody in the. In I the where did you see that at? Well, no. The, so for this past season in the NBA, like on Dunks. Oh, oh, I see. Got it. Yes, got it. Got yeah. it. You're not saying the FIBA didn't. No, 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 no. FIBA didn't do got that. Got it. No, no, no. So yeah, um, I, I they do have plus minuses. Like I looked mm-hmm. at uh, at America's today. Um, Bridges, I thought was number one for America. Um, I thought that uh, I would guess SGA is right there. And then, and I agree with you. If Jamal Murray is playing in a 40-minute game, considering who America brought, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I think Canada could absolutely win the championship and still can without him. Well, and that leads to my next point. Assuming that Canada beats Serbia and the U.S. beats Germany. That's a, it's a big assumption, especially it's a big assumption. Yep. Serbia big is very assumption. good. Serbia is Serbia's very good. Excellent. A, a big, big assumption. But assuming they do. Um, you know, who, and, and Serbia good without their big man who's not playing for them, right? Imagine if they, if they had, if they had, uh, Nicola. Um, so yeah, you, are we going to get an all North American final of Canada versus Team USA? And if we do, what are the things you're looking for in that game to predict who will be a winner? When would that game be played? Sunday? Monday. Friday's Friday. the semis, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a one and done situation. Anything can happen. Anything um, can happen. SGA is probably the best player on the court again. That's a big advantage. Uh, how well we shoot, how well America shoots. I don't want to say we. I'm born and raised in the United States. I no, have issues fine. with our country. <laughs> As do I. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I have no rooting interest in the game, I would tell you. Right. I, I don't, if I root for players, I don't work for teams. Um, Canada's got a bunch of guys I like very much. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I actually coach some really good Canadians. So they're not on this team, but they might be in Paris. And one of the one of their dads said to me, "If my son plays Olympics next year, are you going to come?" I've had three Olympians. One carried his country's flag. Um, I might have to go to Paris. I've never been to Paris. My wife has. Oh, uh, I mean, David. Yeah, that's a, we're going. I'm going okay, with you. Paris in the summertime. Go. We're we're going. Let's go. I, I guys have to make it. They, they've qualified. Um, I think that I would give I would give Canada a slight edge. From the mm. SGA standpoint, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the enormity of the moment for them uh, swings that advantage a little bit back to America. Even though we're America is pretty young and inexperienced internationally, although a lot of these guys probably have played for well, some of them Team USA in the past, like mm-hmm. for under nineteen, under seventeen. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, what a thrill that must be to just be a teenager playing for your country. Really? Oh yeah, huge. Put on the USA jersey. But I think your point's right, David. Right? Because for Canada. Despite the fact that, like, it, 
they will know the significance of beating America in a world championship game, right? That would that will mean so much to the country of Canada. And so, yes, I think you're right. The, the moment might be like, oh, my God, we might do this or we have a chance to do this. That might swing it back in the Americans' favor who, you know, when you put on the basketball jersey for Team USA, if you don't win the tournament, that's always it, right? That's, that's kind of once we started sending pros to the Olympics and all that, it's all about if we lose. That's it. No gold medal, then it's a story, right? And so there's also that piece of it for, for Team USA as well. And those guys are young who don't have that history of we've gone to X amount of tournaments. We were part of the bronze team in Athens at law, whatever. None of that. Those guys are all gone, but still, there's pressure on both sides in that moment, right? And I'm sure guys on Team USA who are young are be like, "Look, we know that our big dog is going to be in Paris next year, but maybe one or two of us we might like to make have a chance of making that team." There's going to be a lot of pressures going around from both sides, but I think it would be interesting to see. Yeah, in all it'd be a great game for sure. D- Dylan Brooks guarding Bridges probably, mm-hmm. or Anthony Edwards too, of course. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, America's got two really strong offensive players. Bridges looks like he's the same guy he was in Brooklyn. He doesn't get the ball quite as much for a lot of reasons, but um, he he just looks like he can really score. And uh, whereas in Phoenix, he was more of a shooter, right, defender, shooter, three and D guy. So the, I, I don't think Canada has Canada does not have a second guy like that. Uh, and but they don't have the inside game that that uh, Lithuania did to bother America. Uh, that was Italy's problem. They just there was no way those little Italian dudes were going to play with those <laughs> and just outplay America the way um, uh, uh, Lithuania did. Lithuania beat us up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would I would ultimately give America an, an advantage, but it's a one game situation. You know, we, yeah, we go ten of forty from three, they, they could lose the game easily. Oh, without question. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's for, for Canada and you mentioned Dylan Brooks, I thought this was so interesting and I'd, I, w- I want to get your take on this from a coaching standpoint and, you know, cause you, you know, these players so intimately and how they think about things. So after the win, one of their, uh, the quarterfinal win, I believe, uh, for team Canada, Dylan Brooks was, and he had a pretty good game, uh, 22 points. I think it was like three or five from three, like played good defense as usual. He was asked about, you know how they feel, you know, playing for Team Canada, all that stuff. And he's like, you know, coming off the year, I had him on my former team being Memphis and, you know, it's just ending, ending badly. It felt good to kind of get a reset um, with Canadian blood, with fresh Canadian blood and, you know, showcase what I can really do. And, you know, it, 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 and he's like, I'm happy to, to be with guys who believe in me and guys who trust what I can do. And there is this fine line, David, and many people saw that when he said guys who believe in me and trust what I can do, saw that as a shot against the Grizzlies, which it very well might have been. Um, what, you think Dylan Brooks was being passive aggressive? I mean, he's that's yeah. I mean, he could be. He could very well be. I agree. I'm not arguing. <laughs> um, but the what I want to know, David, is there is a fine line, right, between confidence and insecurity, right? I mean, it's two it's two sides of the same coin, right? Dylan is in the league because he is a dog defensively he competes. He wants to do what no one wants to do, which is guard the other team's best player. Nobody wants that job because it sucks because you're going to get embarrassed on a regular basis. All the things we all know, but he relishes it and wants it. That's, that's a skill. He's good at it talent. He's and he is he made yeah. NBA all defensive last year. He is very, very good at it. Of course, he took a bunch of flack, but I'm wondering when he said guys who trusted me and believe in me, because there's a moment where I felt like earnestly he meant that. Like he felt like, well, these guys think I suck, and I'm the reason why we didn't we didn't do what we were supposed to do last year in Memphis. So, as a coach, and you see it, 
can you talk to us and our audience about that fine line between confidence, which you have to have to do what Dylan does, but also insecurity, which is rife, right, in the NBA? I mean, I it's it's one of the most prevailing uh, themes in, in work that I do is is uh, be humble or, or stay humble or be humbled uh, is is a real thing. And yet you've got to be pragmatic with players. You've got, you've really got to be honest with assessments, but you don't got to go overboard. You don't got to just blow them away with stats when they're negative stats or even positive stats. Um, getting them to stay believing in themselves is not easy. Uh, a lot of it is um, machismo, which we all mm-hmm. deal with. And these are young men, you know, mm-hmm. um, I did a, I did a zoom call yesterday, Gerard with uh some of the guys that I went, that was a pledge brother and a fraternity with 40 years ago. Mm. And I wasn't really friendly. The guys that were on this call, we, none of them were, they were more the smart, nerdy guys. And I was just a dumb athlete. I was really, I'm embarrassed how we behaved back then, but um, they're delightful guys now. <laughs> and I'm just so stupid for not recognizing, you know, I would puff my chest out all the time because I was an athlete surrounded by non-athletes. So it's pretty easy to be athletic in that group. And yet all these guys are helping change the world and make it a better place. And they're just such incredible guys. That's what young people do too often. And so we see this in the NBA. But underneath my false bravado was plenty of worry and concern like most guys. And that's very much the case with NBA players also. So I think you bring up an incredibly interesting point about Dylan that Dylan has got to be thinking, wait a second, who am I to you guys? I thought I was the good guy. I thought you liked the fact that I brought identity and fight and toughness to grit and grind 2.0. Mm-hmm. And, and now you're casting me aside like I'm a piece of trash? They said to him, under no circumstances right. is he coming. They made that public. That, made, that had to make him feel a certain kind of way. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That, that he, I think so. And now I got to go play for Coach Yudoka, who's going to just build more of oh, that boy. Mm-hmm. yeah i think uh, and I, i'm not a fan of dylan brooks because of some of the other stuff but i'm a fan of his game if, if he could just uh check his shooting a little bit more mm-hmm. hey mm-hmm. like tone it down a notch mm-hmm. you're not mikhail bridges <laughs> and this ain't brooklyn in phoenix bridges bridges played how we should have played right. he's expanding it now because he can't uh but no there, he's got he's got game to him and uh, I think Memphis has been a well-run franchise, but that we're going to look back at that a little bit, especially if Houston has some success with yeah. Dylan. Like we had that guy, we yeah. could have managed him better. I, I think so. I think it, it was it was about just getting to, to tamp down some of that shot selection, right? But keep doing what you're doing because again, now I mean, okay, they have Marcus Smart, who I guess will take over that that role of I'll guard the other team's best player. But Dylan's much younger than Marcus Smart. I'm not saying he's better right. necessarily, but he's much younger than Marcus right. Smart. So that that's more helpful, right? And I think you're so right about Ime Udoga. Ime's going to be like, ooh, you are a pit bull. He's going to feed all the – yeah, yeah. That's right. You All the good stuff. He's going to give that to him. And, you know, you know, Ime loves defense and toughness, and that's, that's well, exactly what Dylan Brooks is. And let's remember, uh, one of their arch rivals is the Dallas Mavericks. That's correct. That's so correct. Luca and he, he oh, both yeah. of them got ejected yesterday. They did. They yeah. did. It'll it, it'll it'll be fun, and certainly, listen. Also, don't remember forget that uh, Houston and Memphis are in the same division, so they will play each other four times next season. And I don't care what Dylan says or anybody says; those Memphis Grizzlies dates are highlighted on his iPhone or what, whatever oh, yeah. it is. He he he's he's coming to do some stuff, whether he does or not. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But 
he's he's eyeing those games for sure because that's just how these athletes are. All right, uh, we will be back after a quick commercial break. Stay tuned. All right, David, um, you have an article coming out soon uh, on Troop.com. Everybody should uh, be subscribed to that. But the Eastern Conference and who we think are, who you think are contenders and, you know, what are what are some of the areas of concern you have for these teams? And this is off the heels of your your uh, Bucks piece where you said, I think it's time for the Bucks to trade, <laughs> trade Giannis. And, and surprise, surprise, everybody in Milwaukee hates David for writing that article. And su- surprise to nobody, David's like, oh, now I know I know that means I'm right. <laughs> that means I'm digging into my position more because that's exactly what they should be doing. Um, so we already know what you, you feel about Milwaukee. Let's look at um, Brooklyn because they're a team that you have. Um, we talked about Bridges and what he's doing. They have a big question mark about where this team can go, and that question mark is Ben Simmons. Now, you and I have seen all the hashtag sizzle reel workout. Yeah, 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 great. So all that super cool, right? You look like a beast. Yeah, 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 whatever. Come October 26th, are you ready to play? And by Christmas, how many games will you have played? And are you starting to look like the guy who's going to go back to being all NBA? Or are you looking like the guy who's a shell of his former self? That's, I think, one of the biggest questions with Brooklyn. Yeah, I was listening to my buddy Zach Lowe the other day, and he he basically said his only question is, uh, Ben, are you willing to get fouled? And I, I think Zach's right. That really spells a lot out. Are you willing to miss? Are you willing to fail? Uh, I watched a I watched a uh, video the other day of what's the great soccer coach in the Premier League, the best one, Man, uh, Man City. Oh, oh God, Pep, Pep Guardiola. Mm-hmm. And he was just, you, you might have seen it. He was just pleading with his guys, like, you, you have to want the ball. I, I'm, I want you to make mistakes. I want you to fail. Like, he really gave a great speech on, it, as I always tell my players, it's baked into the game. Mistakes are baked in. And so you've got to, they've got to do a sales job on Ben. I don't, we don't care how many free throws you miss. We'll deal with that. But let's, you know, progress is getting to the line. Yeah. Yeah. Making him was a whole nother thing. Right. Um, so, I don't see Brooklyn as a contender, although they're very talented. If Ben Simmons was back to an All-NBA player, it's just an if I, I can't imagine. Right. It's like I can't imagine Chris Middleton being great in the postseason, which is why I think the Bucs should move off. They That's need fair. him, and I just don't trust that he'll be there. I could be wrong. I could be wrong with Ben. Probably not, but it could, anything's possible. Uh, but, yeah, I just – I mean, listen, we're all human beings. We, I want Ben as a human being to just get back to being a good player. And enjoy yeah. the game again. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of gifts. He looks strong. Sure does. He looks strong. Um, That's the biggest thing is is how well how well the back rehab went this summer and how how strong it is. Right? What what has he done to ensure? And you know, and Brooklyn working with the rest. And I would imagine early on he's probably not going to play any back to backs. Is my guess just to kind of ramp himself up and, and get ready. But I think that that's a huge piece. All right, let's move over to the Miami Heat. Of course, they have the Damian Lillard, will they or won't they, hanging over their heads. But you think, despite losing Max Struess uh, and Gabe Vincent, because they got Spo and they got Jimmy and they got Bam, they got Tyler Hero, this team should still be pretty good. I'm a little still concerned about a couple of things, David. One, I still don't think they score enough, so I'm still worried about them offensively. And I love Jimmy, but Jimmy's not 28, right? Like, Jimmy's in his early 30s now, like... Are we sure we're going to get another awesome Jimmy Butler season or we might start seeing some decline? I'm not saying it's going to happen. Those are my worries about Miami. Yeah, I hear you. I, I, I have a bigger worry about point guard play. You know, Kyle Lowry. I, I, think, I think there are players that can help them in the G League. I, everyone thinks I'm crazy, but I've watched enough of those, those leagues. 
there are players that are capable of helping them. You got to go get them. And whether it's two-way players, I'm not sure the two-way guys are. Um, but uh, it is a it is an area of concern for me. Uh, you know, everyone thought Struess was a big loss. And when I was breaking Cleveland down, I saw that uh, Isaac Okoro shot better than him from three last year. Oh, like, no bad. one believes that. <laughs> uh, Struess was 35% from three. He had three yeah. months of the season last year where he shot 33% or below. Right. There's a reason why they were a play-in team. Uh, he's a gunslinger, and he's more athletic than you think, but it's not like he's been a knockdown shooter. Duncan Robinson looked like he was making some comebacks last year and got mm-hmm. real minutes in the finals, which I think makes a difference. Yep. Um, they added Thomas Bryant, who's an elite he, offensive he player as a big, and forty shot 40% from three or better, four different seasons in his career, although some of those seasons were low numbers. They're all pretty low because coaches are stupid. Spoh's not stupid. <laughs> he's gonna use he's gonna use him better. Bam looked like he was coming around offensively last year, more comfortable shooting the ball. Maybe he'll add a three to his game. Hero should be ascending, although I think there's a limit to him as an athlete, but he should be ascending as a player. Um and Cody Martin came out of nowhere to really, you know, be a, a key guy. I mean, people thought he was Eastern Conference final MVP. Um, he wasn't, but he played like it. So um, yeah, I think that they can win without Dane. They're better off with him. Um, and they, I mean, there's a, as I wrote, there's a real need for Dame, not just because it's, you know, I know why Dame wants them, uh, but they could use him just because they don't really have a point guard like him. Kyle Lowry just isn't that guy. And hero Mm -hmm. really is not a a quarterback that way. He's a scorer. Yeah. Um, no, that those are all legitimate concerns about Miami. Uh, you mentioned Cleveland. So Struce is now over there. But we still think they have a problem uh, at center, right? Jared Allen may not be the long-term answer, especially if they think Evan Mobley can eventually switch to that position. Um, and then you mentioned Struess, right? I think, look, everybody get excited because he had a couple hot games in the playoffs. And anything you do in the playoffs gets magnified because that's when more eyes right. are on you, right? But to your point, three seasons, three months or more in the season where he shot below 33%. And he was a terrible defender. Right. Six so... percentile defensive EPM. Maybe they're better off sticking with Okoro, right? Because they, if they shoot the same, and Okoro's going to play way better defense. I don't know. Yeah, but you like Donovan Mitchell and his ascent this year, and I, I think I think he'll he and he and uh, Darius Garland are a tremendous tremendous backcourt. Yeah, I like I like that Cleveland has a bitter taste in their mouth losing in round one after a really great season in the regular season, kind of the first one in a while. Um, I think they're going to still stay big. Mobley should make another big jump. Uh, he's got years to go to keep growing. Uh, George Nang, an elite shooter and a smart guy, tough guy, key role player for them off That's the right. bench. Yeah, Niang. He'll be good. He'll be yeah. good for them. Uh, Struce starts or not, but at least you know he's been around, been in playoffs before. Yeah, I, I um, you know, with with some of these teams, and I realize it all sounds a little silly because I thought Milwaukee should just you know surgically you know, change up their team. Um, there's a lot of flawed teams in the East. And so if if they all end up being more flawed than we think or things happen injury-wise, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Miami become higher-level contenders. Mm-hmm. I think Miami's there either way. Cleveland would be uh, the Knicks too. The Knicks yeah. need some faltering at the top yeah. and just give yourself a chance. You should, Miami proved it twice now in the last four seasons. Just be, hang around and keep getting better and stay connected. And if the other, if, if more elite teams kind of falter, we're right there. You brought them up, and this wasn't on the rundown, but I'm going to ask you. So the, so the Knicks, by the way, who've been run more competently of late, and don't they're not tied yeah. down to any terrible contracts. Right. Like they've got draft picks. They're in a good spot. Where are you 
um, on R.J. Barrett. I'm really lukewarm. Yeah, I thought he was very good yesterday against Slovenia when they need him to be attacking the rim scoring. He was 25th percentile at the rim last year. He's never been good at the rim. He's had one good shooting year, three bad, three average to bad ones. Um, he's not a pop athlete where he just blows by you. He's big and strong, but he's not finishing inside. Like he's young, 23, I want to yes, say. Yes. Yeah, yep. young. So um, we got a lot of time to see growth, but okay. absent that growth, it, they're not a contender. They, he needs to suddenly be, all right, maybe not, maybe a borderline all-star. That'd be yep. fine. Yeah. With Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, and um, Brunson. and Brunson, mm-hmm. he, uh, borderline all-star, he, they'd, be, they'd be very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about Boston really quick. So they inked Brown to the extension, which we talked about uh, last week. But they don't have Marcus Smart anymore. Um, but they do have Chris Das Porzingis. Uh, but Smart, in many ways, there's a disposition and a spirit that he kind of uh, infused that team with. That I guess now we hope Tatum's old enough to do, and and he's the guy now, and Jalen can do. But there might be missing a little something with Marcus Smart, maybe. But you know, again, I as I've talked about Boston before, stuff always seems to me weird and off about them. Uh, but we'll see. I don't think talent wise, if you just look at the paper on paper, they're pretty good. No, no, they're very good. Uh, Derek White also can be a leader. Yes, Derek White, excellent. I wrote this that he's a, one of the more underrated players in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, he's allowed to have more of a voice now with Marcus gone. He, he was a very important player for them and, and is very good on both ends. Yep. Elite defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Brown just got paid. Mm-hmm. So you feel bad if you want to feel bad that Tatum is okay with you being traded. They just paid you a whole bunch of money. Sure your grandchildren won't be able to spend that money. Not even close. Not even close. Uh, your great-grandchildren won't be able to spend that money. They'll spend it. They won't lose it. <laughs> yeah. They'll spend it to go to college or whatever, but they won't. They, you, know, you just can't blow through a fortune like that right. so easily. And he won't. He's a very smart guy, very mature guy. Um, so I, I think, and I think they have something to avenge. Sure you know, I, I like I like that quote from the Avengers. You first have to avenge something, and and uh, they've had two really disappointing endings. Uh, the other years when they lost in the finals, it was a great season. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not the case now. So, right. and they kind of swung for the fences. You you have you just have to look around. These guys are smart guys. Almost entirely, the league is full of smart guys. We just traded for Kristaps Porzingis, mm-hmm. who could easily play 25 games this year. Yeah, for sure. That tells us something. The next time we have a disappointing season, it could be our ass on the line. We'll get paid, but we'll get paid somewhere else. So they all know if we're going to make it happen, this year is the year. At least make it back to the finals. So I think I wrote this. I like their schedule early on. It's not this easiest schedule, but it's not the most challenging, I don't think. Um I like them to get off to a really, really good start. Nice. And then we'll see how Missoula does from there. Yeah, front run, front run a little bit. And by the way, Boston fans, Porzingis, I know you're probably all like, oh, like, he was excellent last very year. Good like, last year. Very good last year. Very good. Very good. Yep. On both ends. So if he's healthy, you guys, you guys got a good one. All right. We've talked around them enough. Let's distress the elephant in the room in the Philadelphia 76ers and their looming James Harden situation. Um, you know, look – Absent a trade for where they get another quality pieces back along with draft picks and all that, I just don't know how a Embiid, Tyrese Maxey team with, I guess, uh, Patrick Beverly, uh, who else did they pick up? Well, they have one more year, Tobias Harris. Like, to me, I don't know how that team wins an NBA title. I don't actually, I know that they don't. Um, But, but Daryl's super smart, pragmatic, like, 
always does the right thing for his team. If he's able to tell Joel, no, I got something cooking and bring back some talent, maybe they maybe they have something going. But the question is, your time window is so short because you mentioned Porzingis can only play 25 games next year. That could be the same for, for Joel Embiid, right? Who knows? He's got a very bad injury history. He just won the MVP, but he hasn't been out of the second round once in his entire playoff career. I just, you know, Philly is a weird situation for me, much weirder than Boston for sure. Yeah, and we'll see about Nick Nurse, who and uh, just I thought was thing. so good in Toronto and then so bad. Or just bad, not so bad. Uh, but he's well-liked. The players liked him just fine. He was a strange guy, but they liked him as a coach. Um, yeah, he's got his work out for him now. Uh, I, I think they should have confidence that we're going to have someone in Harden's position that's going to be very good. Drew Holiday, whoever. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very good. And uh, they still have a lot of talent. And Maxi mm-hmm. you know, has a chance to ascend into – a premier scoring player, you know, top 10 league, top 12 in league as a scorer. Uh, Joel is, you should not let off, you know, uh, he, he, he has something to avenge too. Sure does. In a sense. Yeah. He should have a real edge about him. And it's his team. If he wants to stay great, if not fine, but um, there's no one else that's taken his team. Yeah. You're by far the best player. So yeah, uh, yeah I, I think, you know, we'll see. I, I thought doc was terrible. Mm, just yeah, yeah. past his prime, whatever. I used to love him. Um, so, yeah, we'll see if they can kind of rally around Nick and come up with a good plan. Uh, they, they have a lot of good players. They have good young players, too. Yeah, we, we had talked about this, right, that there's a potential that – I remember when MB took Philly off of his geolocation tag on Twitter and all that. We're like, uh-oh, what does that mean? And the comments he made, whether it's winning a title here in Philly or somewhere else, and everybody went nuts with that. You know, there's a chance that if uh, – that Daryl could look at it and say, you know what? I'm never going to get a, a better return on Embiid than I will for get sure. right now. For sure. So maybe he just does. You know what? We're going to reset in Philly around Maxi and who young picks and I mean young players and picks and, and go from there. I mean that that's a possibility. They could definitely yeah. look look at that. If I feel like it's all going to be predicated on the James Harden situation, right? Whatever happens with that or doesn't happen, I think will then domino affect everything else. Um, yeah. And look, we know that Harden has the disposition. He's proven that he will happily make things extremely uncomfortable until something changes. Um, you know, I, I, we'll see, because I know last year with Ben, they he he didn't get thrown out of practice by Doc. They took money away, all this, but then he got the money back when the league filed the grievance, when the PA filed the grievance. So, look, I, I just, it would I think it's in, in both parties' interest to get that situation resolved as quickly as possible. And if you're going to, if the goal is we're going to stay with them beat and make another run at this, you do that. If not, then fine. Send him away, send James away, and get recoup, refill your draft cupboard, yeah. young talent, and, and go from there. Maybe Nick might like that, although he technically had that in Toronto, and that didn't go so well. So right. we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. Um, a couple quick news and notes, David. Um, the Lakers signed Christian Wood. Um, how do you feel about that? That was an interesting bet. I was like, you guys got belief that Christian Wood could be valuable for you? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's a good player. He's a good player, and they, they're in a position where they want to add talent. Uh, you know, he's not going to be – LeBron's going to normally be pretty good at holding guys accountable for stuff. He also may drive LeBron crazy. If that's the case, he'll be traded soon. <laughs> but if he if he gets his act right, I think he'll be fine. They're, they're a very talented team. Oh, I love it. It's drive to LeBron. I mean, well, we know how LeBron feels about teammates who don't show up on time yeah. and all. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's been written. A player who we liked a lot last year, David, because uh, we thought he was starting to make a leap, Trey Murphy from the New Orleans Pelicans. 
meniscus injury in the knee. That's all we have so far. We don't know. It's like a six-week injury, I think, isn't it? Well, I mean, who? it depends on what it is. If it, is it torn? Is it just right. – they, They're not right. saying They're not saying what it is, and it's a shame because this, this is a guy who could get yeah. to the rim and explode and dunk, and he shot really 41% yeah. from three or something like that. And they that. really He's, need that with uh, next to Zion for coming back. They really need that shooter. Yeah. I mean, how are you feeling about New Orleans? I just feel like this whole thing is just bad. Like, it's just – for whatever reason – Sounds like you're blaming voodoo – Voodoo dolls and all sorts of crazy shit in New Orleans. Yeah. I don't know if it was voodoo dolls. They've got some bad luck. It's just right, like some terribly bad luck. Like yeah. it just like why is this working out the way it is for this team? It should be. I mean, especially coming off of what they did two years ago in the playoffs when they scared Phoenix. Right, we're like, oh man, all they got to do is get healthy Zion back, everything'll be fine. And then no, that that, that didn't yeah. quite work out. Right. I just maybe it is bad juju. I, look, Zion's got his own problems that we've detailed a bunch i mean this is this is a make or break year for him right like in many ways i think everyone there feels that way uh willie green is a coach and and uh, my friend dave griffin is the, as the gm mm-hmm. the vp um trajan langdon's gm uh yeah they've got a they, they've got they've got the talent to do it they're they're pretty they're pretty loaded if zion i mean i just i don't think people really understand how good he is i mean i think some people do I definitely do. I oh, think he's an MVP he's level elite. player. Oh, yeah. without question. He's incredible. He, I just hope I hope we see a great year from him. And if they don't, look, he's under contract. He just signed his rookie max extension. So yeah. some team will gladly give up the give up whatever to bring him in and give him a change of scenery. They will. So if it doesn't work out there that way, I mean, but that team, David, they get a healthy Zion and you've got Alvarado and CJ. And I mean, these guys are good, man. Like, I just I like what they have. Remember, I said it last year. They should have been what Memphis was two years ago. They, they, and they, yeah. they were. At Christmas, they were like, yeah. they were leading the Western Conference. Yeah, and right. then all over from there. Yeah, let's just hope. I just want to hope for the best for the city and for, for Zion and for the, and the, for the team himself. Um, Zion won't have any shortage of suitors. Uh, he, he would look really good in the Spurs next to Wemby. They have an amazing combination. Yeah, because he needs to be with a shooting big. Yeah, and uh, and Zion's big enough to guard plenty of fives, which mm-hmm. Wemby doesn't want to do much of. Um, and they've got players and picks. They do, um, but uh, New no Orleans is looking to trade him. He would no, have to no. be hurt again, and then where I stand is going to go grab him. So, yeah, I, 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 the Murphy injury is an issue because he's mm-hmm. such an elite shooter, and that's exactly what you need to have next to Ingram and 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 him. Valanciunas is looking good. Yeah, yeah, that that's that they need that. That's need a that team. shooter. So what our wish for New Orleans is you have good health this season. I mean, good it's already off to a bad start with with Trey Murphy. No, no hurricanes, good health. Yes, right. No hurricanes, good health. They have that. That should be a team to, to look out for for sure. So much talent over there. All right, David. Um, little U.S. Open talk to wrap. So I think you've watched some matches. Who have you seen play at this year's U.S. Open? You're asking me names. <laughs> I know Ben Shelton's name. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you you watched that match with him, right? And Tiafa. I've, uh, I've watched two of them. I, I watched the Tiafa one. Yeah. Uh, I watched the Spanish kid against the German guy. Yeah. Yeah. They are, they are hitting bombs Bombs. in their volleys. Like I grew up playing tennis. I I was taught by Harold Hopman, a very famous English tennis coach who summered in my area of the world. Uh, maybe, maybe not summered. Maybe he wintered there. I don't really know, but he did come to Treasure Island, Florida, where we, we had a membership at a tennis club growing up. And, um, but nobody had bombs like these guys are Jesus. They hit everything as a winner, but it's just a regular rally. It's unbelievable uh, what they can do. Yeah. I wa- So 
the Spanish guy was fantastic. Listen, I, I, I was so I was obviously been there the last two weeks covering. I'll be there going shortly after this for the women's semifinals this evening. How far of a commute is that for you? So we're lucky we have a media shuttle. So I just get over to the I take the subway to the east side and the shuttle bus drives me over there. So it's nice. really nice because normally Where is it at? it's in Queens and Flushing. I would normally take the the two down to 42nd Times Square and then transfer to the seven and take that basically to the last stop. That takes forever. Um, yeah. So thankfully, I don't have to do that. Uh, but let me tell you, man, the 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 when Alcaraz and Zavera, any of these top guys, these top 10 guys are hitting the ball clean. They are thumping that ball. Like, I mean, there was a forehand that Alcaraz unleashed on Zverev last night that I was like, and I, I was downstairs watching it like at, at court, court court level. I was like, good God. Like the winner was like 99 miles an hour. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> like, and Alcaraz has no holes in his game. He is an excellent mover. Yeah. You have to, a shot that you think is a winner against a normal player, not against him. How many, how many uh, majors does he have? He has two. Uh, he won the U.S. Open last year and Wimbledon this year. And how old is he? Twenty. So he's, Damn it, he's not even in his physical peak yet. Yeah. Like, who, who had the most majors ever? Federer, Djokovic, twenty-three. Djokovic has wow, mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. And Novak, he's, he's still alive. I mean, Novak at thirty-six is still. I mean, this is he's he's ridiculous um, right now. So semifinals will be Alcaraz versus Medvedev. Medvedev won the U.S. Open already uh, last year. He is, or two years ago, excuse me. He's one of the he's one of the three best hardcore players in the world, behind Djokovic and Alcaraz. Um, and then uh, Djokovic will play Ben Shelton, and Shelton can thump the ball as well. Like I mean, but he's gonna get smoked by Djokovic, isn't he? I don't, not necessarily. Really, not necessarily. Look, he Ben's gonna play free because everyone's looking yeah. to get dog to get dog yeah. walked. So he's going. I'm gonna come out firing. Do what I do best. And he may knock Novak back a little bit. Now, beating Novak out of five sets is almost impossible. Again, Carlos Alcaraz, one of the only people who can do it um, because of his amazing ability to track down every ball and hit winners from turn defense into offense better than anyone I've ever seen. Wow. Um, and he's 20, right? And, we, and we're, we just came off the era of the three greatest players by far on the men's side in Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. And I'm like, Alcaraz... If he stays healthy and stays interested, it might be better than all three of them, which is crazy. Insane when you think about what I just said. It sounds blasphemous. Yeah. But I'm like, and what about on the women's side? On the women's side, Coco's still alive, right? Coco's in her first US Open semis. And David, she has that look in her eye like, no, I want to win this one. Like, it's just, you know, over two weeks, which is how long a Grand Slam tournament is. So the French, Australian, Wimbledon, US, those are all two week tournaments. You're not going to play your best every night, right? It's just, that's just how it works. But if you can find ways to not get down on yourself mentally and hang around and win when you have your C minus game going, yeah, yeah, and that's what she the first the first week she was kind of meh average, yeah. right? But still found ways to win. I'm like that's good because now in her last match she really turned it on. I'm like oh if you're playing your best tennis now, that's a, a sight to see. And she like Alcaraz, best mover on the women's side. She's so athletic can get tracked down every ball. You think it's a winner against her? It's probably not, right? Because right. she'll get to it. I mean these these players are amazing. So yeah, she plays. Uh, Carolina Mukova tonight in the first semifinal, who she beat in Cincinnati last month in the final. So she'll have good memories there. And then um, the other semifinal will be Madison Keys versus uh, the new world number one, uh, Arena Sabalenka, who won the Australian Open this year. So that'll be really, really awesome. Fun times. Turn on some tennis. If you guys are bored about basketball or you have no basketball to watch because you only care about NBA or you only watch Team USA, fun stuff happening tonight, tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday. 
uh, men's and women's semifinals, and then the finals on Saturday and Sunday. All right. That will be all she wrote. We will see you guys next week. Uh, FIBA World Cup will be over. We'll have a champion that we'll talk about. And, yeah, we'll get, we'll get into doing more of our NBA stuff. We'll start doing our, our preseason stuff, David, like awards, over-under win total, you know, all that stuff that people like to, like to talk about. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. <laughs>